All right, welcome to episode 10 of season two of the Jump in the Rail podcast from Champaign, Illinois. This is Mark Redman, and as usual, I'm joined by my tag team partner, who I took out of the screen here, the Italian stallion, Gary Vasellio. Gary, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going. <laughs> it sounds like you've, you've, had a, you've had a day. But, uh, yeah, I've I had a few days. Yeah. yeah. Just mostly well, tired. Yeah, I, I hear that. We're, we're kind of old, so. Uh, well, we hope everybody had a good uh, holiday over the weekend. Uh, let's see, Dwayne. As if on cue, what's up? What's up, Dwayne? And uh, Dwayne, I saw you had some opinions because if uh, you weren't aware, today is our uh, second annual year review episode of the Jump in the Rail podcast. Very exciting. I don't know, I, Gary, I know you're on pins and needles. But yes. uh, all, all of the pins and all of the needles. All the pins and all the needles. And uh, so, I'm full disclosure, we were planning on having uh, our buddy Narge uh, call in join us he will not be with us but he did send me his list of all his choices for the uh the topics for the year in review which uh i promise last year i we made the mistake of having way too many subjects so we went just about three hours on this episode we will hopefully not be doing that <laughs> this year i cut the uh cut the topics down because i don't no, think I, Gary, I don't think you, i don't think you'll make it three hours you'll probably fall asleep no i'm gonna watch <laughs> luck <laughs> they're gonna be up at like 6 a.m so Hey, I got to be up at five, so I'm right there with you. See, my, my wife is going to flee the domicile. Right behind me. Oh, just make it funny. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm popping up on camera. Oh, oh you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first things first, Gary. Uh, there's This weekend, we've had a few anniversaries that we could probably discuss a little bit. Uh, First and foremost, today is the 24th, and this makes you feel very old, the 24th anniversary of when Kevin Nash ended Goldberg's unbeaten streak, Start to 98 with the help of Scott Hall and the stun gun. Do, do you remember that one at all? I've, I've seen the match maybe twice. Uh, I, You know what? I know I saw the match because I watched all the pay-per-views then, and uh, I... I just remember the stun gun part and I remember not caring because at that point, like I had Goldberg had already lost his luster for me. So that was, I was like, but then, but in the same breath, I was like, that's the dumbest way I've ever seen the industry. I, I wanted somebody to do it because I was like, man, he doesn't do anything. Like, the best match Goldberg ever had was against Diamond Dallas Page. And I, I see, think Goldberg I should have dropped the title then. I yeah, really do. I, I, I avoid, not just because I'm a page mark, but it was his best match. He knocked himself out anyway. If I were Page, I would have just pinned him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't going to be Nash, Page would have been the guy to do it, I think. Uh, I disagree. I think his best match was with Perry Saturn. Oh, yeah. I forget what pay-per-view it was. It was really good, and nobody expected it because it was Saturn, and nobody really knew him outside of BCW because he was still really new with the company then. But uh, I was never a Goldberg fan. I, I was a big uh, Nash fan. He was always one of my favorites. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the finish with uh, the Taser always kind of really bothered me. 
but yeah, the match itself wasn't much to write home about either. From all, all I remember is the taser and the power bomb. So I'm I'm with you on yeah. that one. John thumbs up Goldberg. <laughs> the big thumbs down. Uh, in studio, studio in the living room. Uh, my brother Johnny Adequate. You remember him from our WrestleMania <laughs> preview show last year? I was just hanging out. So every now and then I might uh, prompt him for an opinion. It won't be for the new stuff. Uh, old John doesn't watch the new stuff, but uh, I can do match of the year. That's about it. All right. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, we're going over anniversaries. First one was Goldberg and Mask, John. But uh, the next one, uh, maybe my favorite out of all of them, is uh, on Monday. So yesterday was the 39th anniversary of the Iron Sheik beating Bob Backlund for the uh, for the world title a month before he uh, transitioned over to Hogan. And, uh, I, Sheik needed to have a longer run. I, I, I think a month was a disservice to, to the Iron Sheik. Well, the Sheik's never forgot it. No. <laughs> he's, he's, he's never forgot that, so... He still no, I mean, the Sheik, Hogan. Well, it's always funny, because, like, Sheik could still work when they decided to give slaughter the belt and like she could still work and she was actually you know closer to the enemy they were trying to portray and they they just had him as like a was he general adnan at that point or general adnan yeah he was he, yeah. Now, technically he outranked sergeant slaughter so he should have gotten the shot yeah. first yeah yeah uh, I mean, I'm no expert, but I think General outranks Sergeant. Uh, you heard? The, did you hear the story about who was originally supposed to be in that spot instead of Slaughter? No. It was supposed to be in. If you believe anything Bruce Pritchard tells you, which I know, grain of salt. Uh, it was supposed to be Sheik Tugboat. Like literally, Fred Ottman as a Sheik going into WrestleMania because it was right around the time he was going to switch to. They were going to turn him heel. But instead of making him the typhoon, which was awesome, they were gonna put him in a in a chic garb and make him chic tugboat. Well, speaking, I'll be thankful that didn't happen. I'm surprised they didn't just rehire one man gang or make him do it. They made him do everything there were else. More ethnicities they could have put gang through. <laughs> yeah, there was there were definitely some head scratching uh, creative ideas even back in the early '90s. But uh, make some of the decisions in the last ten years seem logical by comparison. Yeah. Hello. Yep. My cat's bothering me. The Cape Kitty Noodles Redman is over here, and uh, the other one. And on Christmas Day, on on Sunday, Gary was the 40th anniversary of arguably the greatest feud ever kicking off, which was when uh, Terry Gordy slammed the cage door on Terry Von Erich. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sportatorium sparked the Freebirds and the Von Erics. Legit knocked him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some reason, Hayes was a shirtless referee in that match. Uh, yeah, they couldn't find him a referee shirt. And I don't know. But, yeah, it was I mean, Texas, it, man. It's Lucky true. anybody had a shirt. <laughs> Even the security guy with the big cowboy hat that you always saw in the Sportatorium. That was walking the guys to the ring, but yeah, that was uh, 
that was awesome because the Freebirds were were baby faces going into that, and then just something clicked and Hayes knocked out Flair, tried to get Terry to pin him. Terry was the goody two shoes, and, and no one thing leads to another. And Bam Bam just knocked him out with the with the steel door. So, and the rest was history, as they say. But it was it was wonderful history because it was so good. He gave us the country whipping match. If you remember that one where they just had straps just beat the fuck out of each other. And yeah, uh, strap matches are always fun. <laughs> when done because right. it's just it's just it's just pain. As as yeah. Clever Lang would eloquently put it. Yes. Verbatim. Pain. Pain. Alright. If you had to pick Gary, and I'm I'm not asking you which one you would prefer to be in, but watching. You prefer a strap match or a chain match? Uh, I've been in strap matches, and <laughs> it hurts. But, I mean, chains are going to cut you and leave marks and big bruises. And, can you know, if you're trying to do spots like Foley and them try, try to do hanging each other, and I, I, you know, I'm not all about that. I would rather just take the, take the sting and then when when you were in a strap match did you have a shirt on at least yes yes oh. always smart. that's very smart uh Dwayne put a comment in here gary asking uh that's my goldberg streak i just caught this uh little tardy sorry Dwayne. asking was the goldberg streak inflated uh yeah i'd, I'd say it was as far Probably. as i, go. I mean he was i don't think they were working the house shows good yeah, I mean, if he worked, like, every house show, and I'm guessing he was up against, like, uh, oh, I can't think of the guy's name, Jerry Jerry Flynn. Jerry Flynn, I don't know him, yeah. <laughs> he was probably against Jerry Flynn or, like, Norman Smiley or, I mean, there was probably Lodi. the same, it was Lodi, yeah, it's probably the same dudes over and over and over again. It's Mark probably the Star. same guy getting... Yeah, probably same guy getting beat every night. Maybe El Dandy for some flavor, but yeah. if it wasn't of El Dandy. no, El Dandy was great. But there's a guy over my left shoulder that was a big El Dandy fan back in the day. Hey, he had the, <laughs> the world's fastest mahi mahi. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean it, it had to be. They had to pump the numbers at some point. I'm sure at some point they're like, oh, we just got to add some numbers in. Nobody's going to know. Because well, it definitely it wasn't from televised only. Yeah. yeah. There are no accurate numbers, whether it's when you announce the attendance for a show. Uh, Wait, a height. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Their height. I, mean, their... I love Andre, but he was not seven foot four. No. He was seven two, maybe. Maybe seven one. But uh, and now toward the end of his run, five twenty might be a believable number for his weight because he yeah he got a little, uh, little heavy. Because I think Show got up to like close to six, right, for a little bit. No, he never got that close. I, at his he, biggest, he always stayed right around that five twenty mark at his heaviest. Yeah. Point. Now, Watness, uh, that was he was about six hundred. The old uh, giant stay haystacks. Yeah. yeah. 
So, Gary, would you believe we've uh, flown off topic again? Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's all Dwayne's fault. It's all Dwayne's fault. Damn it, Dwayne. Yeah, we're kidding. But uh, now, so we're going to shake things up a little bit. Like I said, we've got our big year in review here. And before we do that, we're going to do the stuff that we do at the end of most of our shows, starting with uh, our JTR Hall of Fame. And there's our graphic professional, as always. And uh, picked the guy who, and this was, and I picked him because I thought Narge was coming on. Uh, it's a, uh, it's all good anyway, because this is the guy that Narge says is at the top of his list of people he wants to meet. And uh, I'm I'm right there with him. I, I, I had a chance to meet him about 15 years ago. But we're going with the king, Gerald, uh, Jerry Lawler, for this one. Yeah, uh, it's hard to... Like I said, yeah, these first uh, probably several choices for this every episode, they're all going to be no-brainers. It's just about what order you want to put them in. But... Uh, the King is one of my favorites. Uh, love the old Memphis stuff, you know. Lawler's a li like Lawler's always been good. He can always he could always talk. Like Memphis TV ratings were insane. It was one another one of those territories that their local TV ratings were ratings that some major programming would want now. Like is it, it was just crazy. But I, it's. He will always be linked with Andy Kaufman because I think Kaufman was the reason that a lot of the guys from Memphis went on to bigger things because that got a national eye on that because I, I know Vince Sr. wasn't interested in Kaufman but then saw all the publicity and then, of course, Lawler and was it the Junkyard Dog and all those guys ended up going to WWF. Oh, that was from Mid South. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, but well, the story Who else goes, was in Memphis. Yeah. Uh, Macho Man was in Memphis. He wasn't with Mid South the whole time. He was also doing the uh, ICW. But, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So with that, and it, something occurred to me today when I was at work. Uh, I don't think that Andy Kaufman Angle would have worked with anybody but Jerry Lawler. If Vince Sr. had agreed to bring him in, I don't know who he had that would have been nearly as entertaining with him as, as Lawler was. Because at the time, no. this is 82. I mean, you got Bob Backlund. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Backlund and Kaufman. I mean, Kaufman's promos would be gold on Backlund. Well, I mean, but, you, got, you look at it, and Jerry took such good care of a guy who didn't know anything and he pile drove him and he did all these matches and made him look like a million bucks and of course andy sold used his own money for hospital stays like and but yeah, but lawler for, but lawler i mean he until what the last maybe five years like he he didn't break kayfabe like he always talked about Andy, you know, why would I want to talk about him? And now he's just now starting to like open up about it. And that's a, a special dude that, cause there are a lot of guys would have jumped on the chance to, for the fame and the notoriety and, and Lawler has just always been about the business. 
and working and getting the job done. Mm-hmm. And he's a fantastic worker. Like I've seen some of his matches that were ninety five percent punches, and I was still entertained. Oh, yeah. Because it was the story they were telling. So, yeah, he just... He, I'm sure he's got to be in the WWE Hall of Fame already, right? Yes. Yeah, he yeah. went in the same year as they are winning. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody remembers the Kaufman feud. Everybody remembers the feud he had with Brett in WWF. Overall, like his, his in-ring in the WWF, I was underwhelmed by. I mean, not just because he was on commentary, but I thought they could have done so much more with him as a heel than just making him the comedy guy, you know? Making the... Yeah. Well, I know uh, he always talked about the ladies and the old saying about leopards and changing their spots and everything, but uh, I mean, if you took Memphis Lawler in the WWF, I think it would have been, he would have been a great heel there. And, uh, and that could have played over because have you seen the Mick Memphis stuff on YouTube, Gary? No. When Vince was taking WWF guys down to Memphis and feuding with Lawler, the Vince was playing the Mr. McMahon character, basically. This is like in 1993. And he had no, a and Brett and Tatanka down there. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was, he was using it kind of like a feeder, like a tune-up feeder territory. Yeah, it was like a developmental system, yeah. But one of the things they did was... They had it, and my brother, he remembers this. There was the taping in, I want to say Boston, somewhere in a WWF show where they filmed Vince interviewing Lawler on the podium. And in the, like, it started off as being Lawler talking about Hitman, you know, the heel Lawler, high pitch, all this stuff. In the middle of the promo, it pivoted to Memphis Lawler talking to heel Vince about the stuff going on in Memphis. And he turned it just on a dime. It was awesome. And if I can find the link, I'm going to put it on uh, on our Facebook page. Because it just showed how really effing good Jerry Lawler is and what he does. He died for the business, man. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. For about 20 minutes. Well, I don't know how long it was. But, yeah, it was scary. I didn't watch that episode when he had the heart attack. But, yeah, uh, it was, uh, that was... I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah, that, that was the period when I didn't have cable, but I had, I was, I think I was cruising Facebook that night and it popped up. Jerry Lawler died. I was like, what? It's like, what the hell are they talking about? And then, yeah, just madness. And he goes to the hospital and still working today. He said he had no structural damage to his heart, which is insane to me. For yeah, I don't know he how he had, a, he had a massive heart attack, so I don't know how yeah. he had no. And, and he's still wrestling uh, on Indies. I mean, uh, WWE won't let him work on TV for you know, fair enough, but yeah. Well, so is Ricky Morton, so. yeah, and Gibson, I, I guess, kind of. I don't know, I haven't I, seen I what think he Robert did. retired, but I think Ricky's still he, he's one that came up with his boy in the NWA and all over the place, so he's still doing the thing, you know. Uh, yeah. I saw him, he, I was at a GCW show last year where he pinned Matt Cardona, so. Well, yeah, yeah. Also, also, a nice guy, Ricky Morton. Just very personable guy when you see him at the shows and all that. But uh, that's another. We're talking about who came out of Memphis. Rock and Roll Express came out of Memphis. That's right. And uh, but they went to uh, Dallas or yeah, Mid-South. no Mid South first because they went with the Midnight Express to Mid South. Yeah, 
uh, Rick Rude, Jimmy Hart, and yeah, was helping me out here. One Man Gang, I think, was from Memphis. Uh, yeah. Digressing here. But yeah, Jerry was Dwayne the heart Hart. and soul of that whole thing. So yeah, Dwayne. I think Tommy Rich is still wrestling. I think you're right. I know he's making appearances, Dwayne, but uh, I'm not sure how often he's wrestling anymore. Uh, but yeah, he was at that big ECW reunion show at the arena last weekend when Bully took on Cardona. Which I still need to see if that's on fight and, and watch that. But uh, but yeah, so getting stumbling back on the topic uh yeah jerry lawler uh for hall of fame i think is is an easy choice and uh also in my opinion the true king of wrestling i mean all due respect to harley race i mean it's saying something when harley got an injunction that he couldn't call himself the king when they were in memphis or i think in tennessee on the whole yeah so that shows what kind of juice jerry had in tennessee so I think we can move on, Gary, to our top ten Tuesday, and this might get me in some trouble in in the house. Uh, we talked about the Freebirds uh, during the uh, cage match, and that made me think of uh, of this topic, Gary. Well, first off, graphic. And our subject today, Gary, greatest three man teams. It's uh, it's interesting, and I almost shit the bed on this one because there were a couple that i forgot about until like last minute and i had to shoehorn them in uh i had to remove camp cornet uh baby boy owen and yokozuna <laughs> and i had to remove the awa heenan family bachwinkle duncan and uh blackjack lanza which would have made for uh good reminiscing john about the videotape you got from from oh, Corey yeah. with all the baron von Rashke promos i was watching the baron last night oh, <laughs> A lot of, a lot of a lot, claw. Yes, talk about the diesel. <laughs> I can't do my Baron impression because it makes me cough. But the, anyway, so greatest three man teams. This covers pretty much NWA, Mid South, WWF, WCW, all the all the usual. Uh, we're gonna start with number ten, and this is one that I had forgotten about. The, the Russians from the NWA, the uh, Ivan and Nikita Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev, who was to be fair American, but. Uh, on the list again later uh no i think the crusher is only on this one time okay is there uh, only one is there only one russian on the russians there were no russians on the russians <laughs> ivan koloff is french canadian oh nikita's from Atlanta, i think or no nikita's yeah. from minnesota and yeah. uh Khrushchev is from minnesota so but none of so they're all places where you don't get a tan so you, you can pull off the russian complexion you know but uh, awesome team. I love Nikita back when I was a kid, even though uh, as I grew older, I realized he couldn't work out of a paper bag. No. Well, he's never really trained. He was just big. No, he learned on the road. He, he rode with Ivan, and Ivan just taught him as they went, which is insane to me. He's like, hey, you're a big guy. Yeah. Was, <laughs> Throw was, a clothesline. That was a death call. Go make you a rough baby. Go they'll, they'll duck it if they don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I actually heard the story that he was, they wanted him to come and feud with Hogan, but it never happened. I don't know why. I think he, I think it had something to do with his wife. It might have been around the time his wife got sick, but I don't know that for sure. That's, if we ever get Nikita on, we can ask him, but uh, he won't answer my calls. <laughs> uh, Dwayne, Dwayne, you're helping me out today. Wasn't Boris Zukov part of the Russians? He was not. He was part of the Russians in Mid South with, 
Nikolai Volkov and uh, Skandar Akbar, I think, was the manager. And then he was, of course, with the Bolsheviks in uh, WWF. But he was actually uh, in Mid South. He got kicked out of the Russian group because it was revealed he wasn't Russian. <laughs> His name was Jim Nelson, <laughs> and one he won a match, and then out of nowhere, Volkov just ran to the ring, just beat the crap out of him. Said, "This guy's not Russian." <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, Volkov's close. He's Yugoslavian, so at least he's Eastern European. But yeah, I like watching the Russians. Uh, Ivan's awesome. Uh, former, he's the only guy that silenced the Garden back in '71 when he beat Bruno for the world title. And uh, then Khrushchev, I, the man of a million gimmicks. You know, whether he's Crusher, Smash, Barry Hole One, Darso, the Repo Man. You know, he did it all. And. Uh, this was, I think, this was my favorite Darso gimmick, even more than Gimlet and Smash. I like the Crusher Cruise Jet gimmick. But uh, we're going to move on, Gary, to number nine. Uh, sticking with the NWA back in the 80s, we got the Varsity Club, the original Varsity Club, which is Kevin Sullivan, Mike Rotunda, and Rick Steiner, which seemed like a very odd grouping to me. <laughs> because you got two amateur wrestling standouts with the devil, basically. <laughs> And to be fair, slowly he had the he had the amateur background too. This he never played it up. He was always doing the Army of Darkness stuff in Florida and all that. But they brought in a headgearless Rick Steiner and Mike Rotunda over from WWF, and uh, they got a lot of steam because Rotunda won the TV title pretty fast there, and then Steiner was I think the Florida Heavyweight Champion when he came in, but. That group kind of evolved over the years. Uh, Steiner turned babyface and feuded with them, but then they brought in Dr. Death uh, and Danny Spidey to team up with them. So it, oh, it had its phases like all the good groups do. I actually liked the uh, the Dr. Death version, though. I just don't think Dr. Death ever, ever learned how to play nice enough to ever stick anywhere. He's in Japan, mostly, but... I think he was perfectly really content to play nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If there was ever a foreign wrestler made to work in Japan, it was Dr. Death. Yeah. Henry Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> and you can throw Brody in that group, too. Andre. Uh, John says Andre. Andre could work anywhere. Go check out his matches with Strong Kobayashi from the 70s. It's good stuff. Andre invented the tombstone. I don't know if you guys know that. He was the first guy to do the tombstone power driver. Couldn't do it later on, but you know, it is yeah. what it is. So yeah, varsity club didn't have a long run. They were only around for a couple of years. So that's why they're kind of low on the list, but uh, I thought they deserved to be on there. On number eight, we're going to pivot to uh, a little bit West Gary to the mid South territory for one of my favorites. That's the rat pack. It's the, uh, Ted DiBiase, Hacksaw Duggan. It wasn't Hacksaw Jim Duggan in Mid-South. He was Hacksaw Duggan and uh, Matt Bourne. The future Doink the Clown. But this is back when he was just the, the old maniac. So. Duggan and Bourne hate each other. Now. Oh, yeah. They hated each other then. <laughs> they did not get along. They, I've heard stories about fistfights in the locker room. DiBiase just kind of washed his hands of it. Like, it just crazy but that was uh when they were getting dibiase over as the as the top heel in the company 
so they put him with the, with the group. They uh, they turned Duggan. No, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Duggan was a heel the whole time, but he just was with Skandar Akbar before he uh, put on the old gorilla suit and double crossed the JYD. Which, out of context, sounds like an insane sentence to say, but yeah, it was a loser leaves tag team match. DiBiase and Bourne against Duggan and I think it was Mr. Olympia. And uh, there were there was a guy in a gorilla suit hanging out with the kids in the audience in the crowd during during the match. And at the end of it, the referee got distracted, and the guy in the grill suit runs in, hits uh, JYD with a big tackle, and DBS, he got the pin, and JYD got to go work in North Carolina for a couple months. Was, you know, that's how they did it, Gary. If you needed to go to another territory, they made you leave town for 90 days or 60 days or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> or he'd put a mask on and be staggerly for, for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> which goes back to our, our list last our last episode, which was the bad disguises. Staggerly was one of the, was really a doozy. Just because, come on, you know it was him. Oh, Gary disappeared. John, opinions of the Rat Pack? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that Mid-South territory was hot. DiBiase, watching, I was watching some of his Mid-South stuff a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He was just incredible. Yeah. You can kind of see him evolve almost into the million-dollar man mm-hmm. before he went to WWE. Did you see the match he had with Flair when he got busted open? No. It was when he turned when he was babyface turn. It was him against the, uh, Flair for the world title, but Dick Murdoch had tried to get uh, get DiBiase give him the title shot because he was his mentor. <laughs> DiBiase said no, so Murdoch bring Buffered him on the floor and busted him up. This is before the match even started, so they cut. And this is a whole episode of the show. They took one of the back. Bill Watts is cutting a promo about how tough DiBiase is because he wants to keep going. I think maybe I have seen this. And then he comes out and has a, I want to say, 20-minute match with Flair while still bleeding. And it was a pretty significant wound, too. And finally, he, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, he didn't didn't really care about blood loss so much back in the day. (laughs) No. Hepatitis, what's that? (laughs) It's It's like you go to Abdullah's rib restaurant, don't eat the, don't use the forks, bring your own. But no, I'm a I'm a big DiBiase guy. I got to meet him last year. Great guy. Uh, I haven't actually I have an autograph two by four by Hexall somewhere. Mississippi may disagree with you about that. What's that? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is very true. Oh, he was nice to me. So that's all I can <laughs> that's all I can go by. So yeah, Rat Pack, Rat Pack, Rat Pack number eight here. So we're gonna move on to number seven. We got the superpowers. Well, what I consider the superpowers. The originals, uh, Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors. I think a better name would have been the Dusty Road Warriors. <laughs> but yeah, I guess uh, this is why I'm not a booker. Uh, this was basically the group that went against the Horsemen for three years until they poked them in the eye. Uh, just your top babyface tag team and your uber babyface superstar in one on one team, so. Uh, good stuff led to the war games matches. Just you know, made piles of money working with the horsemen in some form or fashion. Uh, 
Okay. Uh, now, Dwayne, you're making me jump off the rails again. So, Dwayne's got me circling back to uh, to Darso here, Gary. I'm going to put this up. He says, I know Demotion had Axe Smash and Crush at one point, but are they more known for being tag team before Crush? Uh, yes. Crush was like the tail end when Axe couldn't wrestle anymore because he was, have, because well, he was old and I think he had heart problems that were kind of getting in the way. So they had brought Crush in to kind of ease up the, the workload for him. But yeah, they were a tag team for I think a good three years before Crush was even a thought. So I hope that answers your question, Dwayne. Uh, final thoughts on dust on the Dusty Road Warriors? I'm, I may have to make a t-shirt for them. Just, uh, they got him with a spike. That was, oh, man. That got, one of the best turns ever. That got Dusty fired as the booker. That's right. <laughs> Dusty like the blood, baby. <laughs> In public. <laughs> Anytime I can do my Dusty impression. That's it's almost as good as my Dan House impression. But that's neither here nor there. All right. Number six, Gary. We're getting a little more modern this time. Uh, we got the Wyatt family here for our number six. And this is the original Wyatt family with uh, uh, Bray, uh, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan. And also as an aside, uh, today or yeah, today is the two-year anniversary of Brody's passing. So there's there's that uh, to think about. But I love the Wyatt family when they started. Like that's the version of Bray Wyatt I want to be around. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the fiend. Uh, I'm still I'm no, the, I'm on the fence about this new Bray. I don't know where they're going with that. They're 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 taking their time, but they're doing some dumb stuff with it, like the. The whole Uncle Howdy thing, like they had him laughing way too long. Mm -hmm. It's kind of dumb. It took too long to get him like on screen. I, I know Bray is probably wanting to get his brother back involved, but I'm hearing that he's Uncle Howdy. I'm hearing Bo's yeah. Uncle Howdy. Hey, Bo was always good. I like Bo. And, I believe. But like the yeah, the original Wyatt family was that gimmick was really good. And I've always been a fan of Brody Lee. I saw Brody when he was wrestling for IWA back in 08. Oh, if Brody could go, man. The first match I saw him in person, he wrestled Hero. And it was awesome. I think I have that on DVD somewhere still. But uh, that was the time when Hero was making like maybe TPI and maybe one or two other shots for Ian while doing like Ring of Honor and all the other stuff. But uh, but he came in and had a hell of a match with Brody. And then uh, Bray, I only was aware of him starting when he was with NXT as Husky Harris. And I thought he had talent then, but just it was an awful name and not a great gimmick. But uh, he really found his, his niche doing the, the Bray Wyatt stuff. Uh, a lot of people compared that character to Max Cady from Cape Fear, which makes a lot of sense. And he just played it so well. He was very he was one of the more believable, like out there characters that, that Vince had back then. And then Rowan was there. He's a big guy. Yeah, big guy, big beard. You know, I respect the beard. I think we both can uh, can appreciate a good beard. Seems like a really good dude. He's just he's always per, kind of perpetually green. Yeah. Plus that big spider didn't do him any favors. No, that wasn't his fault. That was just a dumb idea. Yeah. But we, the less we talk about that, the better. All right. So, yeah. So, Bray and the boys are number six. 
uh, number five. And this got me a little heat with Narge when I told him what I was doing today. Because he suggested the original NWO, Hogan, Hall, and Nash. I, my take on that is they were only a trio for about two months. Yeah. Before they start bringing more people in. So they didn't make the list. But as far as the NWO goes, I did include the original Wolfpack, which was Hall, Nash, and Waltman. Because they seemed like a, a subunit of the NWO before the red and black in the 98. Because these guys were holding down the main events when Hogan was making three ninjas hiding in a mega mountain and <laughs> Santa with muscles, whatever other goofy ass movies he was doing. And uh, and uh, Waltman held his own. He did a hell of a job in that spot for being a, for all for lack of a better term, a cruiserweight. But uh, when Hall and Nash didn't want to do the favors, <laughs> they said, hey, put Waltman in there and he'll do it. That's how they lost the tag titles to the Steiners. Uh, Hall was or Nash wasn't there, so they did the Freebird rule. So they so Waltman took the pin. Seems so. fair. Yeah. Plus, Waltman's just a hell of a worker. I love to mention you have a flair in uh, Road Wild. But, uh, and then, you know, the outsiders speak for themselves. They're probably my favorite, except for the Steiners, they're my favorite WCW tag team, the uh, Hall and Ash. So, uh, not a big fan of their run in WWE when uh, they brought back the NWO. I thought it was no. just unnecessary. Any time they did the NWO and WWE was horrible. <laughs> what did you think of NWO 2000, uh, Brett, the Outsiders, and uh, Jarrett? Uh, I didn't really remember it until you said something about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah but- it was- I think they got Steiner in there at the end, but it, it went over like a part in church, I think. Yeah. And that's not knocking any of the individual guys because I think they're all great. But uh, all right, number four, four, five. No, shit. Uh, oh, number four. Uh, my, I had these in order, but then I had to change one and they went to the bottom of the list. Number four, Gary, uh, sticking with the new stuff. Uh, a lot of people probably think they should be higher on the list. I got the new day. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm getting yeah they should high. probably be higher on the list <laughs> I don't know after you see who I've got one two and three I mean granted you got two guys that held the WWE championship uh, I never did get the box of bootios but uh, <laughs> I well, they, were, they also well now they had the second longest tag team title reign mm-hmm. of all time so. yeah 12 times something tag team champs but uh, and I'm a fan of all those guys I love Big E he's one of my favorites He's the, uh, one of the inspirations for the Hoss Fights Draw Money t-shirt that uh, we have at ProWrestlingTees.com. I just would have thought to put the big sweaty men slapping meat. Big, big sweaty men slapping meat. <laughs> I thought the people got on YouTube and Xavier's losing his mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened to their, like their podcast. They just keep having reruns. I know Big E got hurt, but I know he's. I mean, he could sit and talk, so I don't know if they're planning on doing more. But it was a really fun podcast. Yeah. They have a really I good. Podcast. Uh, I it think... was a. It was a. It had a really good flow to it, and you could tell how much they actually enjoyed each other's company. Oh yeah, I think my favorite episode is the one where they went through the list of the names that were pitched <laughs> to them. Yeah, this long list. Is, they're they're all bad. I mean, there's not a. It's not a good one in the bunch, but I think my favorite was the Amen. 
Well, the New Day is not a good name. And they just That's the best thing they had. To, <laughs> I think they actually pitched that one. Like they saw this list of names and like, Oops. well, the song is called New Day. Yeah. So they're like, well, we just call ourselves the New Day. And that works. So good on them. All right. So New Day number four. Dwayne, by the way, uh, he commented. He said four is about right for the New Day. So thank you, Dwayne, for backing me up on that one. Uh, <laughs> better be good. <laughs> All right. Number three is my probably my favorite three-man group. And it's uh, ECW, which, you know. We love our ECW, Gary. Oh, yeah. Got the triple threat. Uh, yeah. The version I went with, and there were several. Uh, the original was Douglas, Malenko, and Benoit. But my favorite is the one from, like, 97, 98 with Douglas, Bigelow, and Candido. Uh, Douglas, I mean, still my favorite ECW wrestler of all time. Uh, just, you know, he was everything that you wouldn't expect the ECW champion to be, except for the language. Yeah, not a hardcore guy, just a wrestler's wrestler, you know. And then Candido is about the same. Uh, he's one of my favorites, just great technical wrestler. And then Bam Bam is, you know, he's Bam Bam. He's he's awesome. Yeah. So I put that on there. Uh, Douglas was the world champion. I think Big Lou held the TV title for a bit. Candido was a tag champ. So they all held gold at one point or another during during the Triple Threat runs. So I think that uh, I thought that warranted getting them put on here. And uh, also Douglas, really nice guy. I met him at the Squared Circle last year. And I swear, he didn't have to. He talked to me for a good 10 minutes about the November to remember 97. <laughs> that was my fault, though. I brought it up. But, uh, yeah, so so that's my number three. Number two, and if it wasn't for who I have at number one, these guys would be number one. But uh, I got the shield at number two. Okay. I, I never thought the shield was... I mean, I know people talk about them all the time, but I think I guess they're maybe around a year. Yeah, they had their original run was about two years, a year and a half, maybe. Yeah, but, but they they had to come back they, here and there. But but they barely did anything during that time. They would just run in, and I, I just never. Hey, I'll have you know, Moxley was the U.S. champion for most of that run, and uh, the uh, Douglas Rollins and Roman were the tag champs. But then look at what they did afterwards. All three of them were WWE champions. Yeah. Uh, Moxley, AEW champion. Uh, Roman, you know, he's, I guess, God mode is what they say about Roman nowadays. So they're, that's probably the group that had the most, like, uh, post-group success. I guess is a good way to yeah. put it. So I'm guessing the Jersey Triad is number one. No, the Jersey Triad <laughs> is not number one. I do like the Triad though, but no, they are not number one. <laughs> All right, my number one, Gary and uh, John, you want to give me a drum roll? I don't know if that's picked up. Thank you. From Bad Street, USA, they got the Freebirds. This this one's a no-brainer to me. <laughs> Uh, they they set the standard for the for the trios, you know, and they had the roles. They had PS could talk him into the building, Gordy could fight, and Buddy could take the pin if necessary. Plus, they did their own music, which is goes a long way with me. And I don't know if you know this, Gary. We have a Pod Street USA T-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. No, no, I did not. <laughs> You ought to go. ProWrestlingTees.com slash JTRPod. Go check it out. Yeah. 
see if my brothers noticed my coffee mug. I noticed, yeah. <laughs> Spicy water. So that wraps up our top 10 Tuesday. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, Dwayne, Shield is definitely number two. Freebirds are obviously number one. See, Dwayne, you and me are sympathetic today. We know what's going on. But, uh, yeah, so that's our top 10 Tuesday. And uh, thank you for indulging us doing things a little bit different today. And uh, let's see. Here's my advantage. So we're going to move on, Gary, to the, to the main event here. Right now we're at 45 minutes, so we're doing pretty good. we got an hour and 15 to get through. A pretty substantial list on this, the Year of Review 2022 for the Jumping the Rail podcast. This is our second one, and I like to think that I've learned how to do this properly. So I'm going to hide this, put this up. I'm, I'm getting pretty good at directing the, uh, the show. Thank you. I've made much fewer mistakes than I thought I would. So it's real simple, Gary. We have, I think, 15 subjects. We won't go into great detail on, on these, but I think we're warranted. We can get into some discussions here. And Dwayne, I know you're listening. So as we throw these in, throw, throw yours back into the comments so I, can, I got them right on, on hand and I'll put them up there. So uh, we got, yes, yeah, 15, <coughs> excuse me, topics. And uh, I'll kind of go in order from my banners here. There we go. So we're going to start. Yeah, right? This is not easy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm distracted by oh, uh, KYD here. For those who don't know, I have an old uh, Sunday Night's Main Event episode on the TV behind me. Is that Funk and JYD? Um, it's the Funks against JYD and Hogan. Oh, nice. With the little midget guy. <laughs> I believe that's the Haiti kid. The Haiti kid, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> So we got that going on. So if you hear laughter in the background, it's just the ridiculous awesomeness of the Haiti kid into the back and now he's back like a wrap around. Oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> Cartoon bandaging and all this stuff. All right. So let's start off, Gary, and uh, we'll start with the way we started last year and finisher of the year. So what's basically the best finishing move in, in wrestling this year? Uh, I'll start off with what Narge said. Uh, Nard said his favorite finisher of the year was A Town Down by Austin Theory, which is solid. You know, got a lot of got a lot of wins with that one. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the approach, like the fireman's carry twisting around into a face bust. Right, I've seen better, but I mean it works, and like I said it was effective. Uh, so Gary, what is your take on finisher of the year? Well, it's mostly because. Uh, because Riddle is using it now too, and the Usos are now using it as a finisher, probably like a. I hate to call it an RKO. I always call it a diamond cutter, but it's now an RKO. I mean, Moxley's just throwing it in the middle of matches now, which right. annoys the absolute crap out of me. But plus, I know you're a fan of the lethal injection. Oh yeah. <laughs> I see you grimace every time I bring that move up. It'll look yeah, ace quicker to me, but I don't know where you're going yeah. with this. You're going with the cutter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still probably the most versatile finisher. You hit it from anywhere. If yeah. you set it up, if you set it up as your finish, and you, that's what's going to put somebody. I mean, it's a, it's still really good. I I can't think of. I'm so tired of kicks 
super kicks, mafia kicks, any kind of kicks. I just don't want to ever see another kick again. Like, all I see is kicks. So, like, I, I want something that has a little bit of, like, out of nowhere impact. And I, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that I'm just like, ooh, I really like when that finish hits. Some of them still take too much. Like, Liv Morgan's finisher is interesting, but you got to be in the ropes. And, and there's so many. And Ronda Rousey's arm bar is just dumb. Like, is it? I don't know why she bends the arm the way she does. Because that doesn't actually put any more pressure on the arm, but it's less. So I, I, I don't think she ever did that when she was fighting in MMA. I think it was no. a straight arm bar. No, she off. decided to look better. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It's great stuff. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, some comments here. David Sykes, do you like Triple H's finisher? I love the pedigree. I think it's a cool move. Uh, always liked it. I like how Rollins does it. Uh, although he does it more as a high spot. So, uh, And also he asked, what about the tombstone? I dig it. Hey, I told you Andre invented it. So, uh, that's always going to be uh, be high on my list. So, uh, Dwayne, let's see. So, what's your Dwayne, finisher Dwayne. of the year? So, my finisher, I'm going a little bit off the grid. I'm going GCW, a guy named Gringo Loco, who we had on the show last year. This move is called the Base Drop. He's, he calls himself the Base God. And uh, I don't know what that means. I mean, I, I think he talked about it, but this was like over a year ago. Uh, but his finish is on the second rope gets a guy in an electric chair facing away from the ring then he does basically a spinning tornado power bomb off the ropes into the pin yeah this looks cool he always does it flawlessly and he always it, it, it's one of those that nobody kicks out of so that's why i've got that on my on my list and uh i hope gringo gringo's been doing some triple a and uh obviously doing gcw but i want to see him get a shot at least on dark or something for aw let him a little spotlight because I think he deserves it. Uh, works as a florist in his downtime, which is uh, is interesting. Everybody's got their. That's, but hey, Boba Smith was a florist in Police Academy too, so I'm not one to make fun. All right, so that's our first one finish of the year. Let's go, uh, male wrestler of the year, Gary. And first off, we'll go with Narge. Narge says MJF. I kind of disagree with that because he wasn't wrestling most of the year. He took a little uh, holiday. With the, uh, the person, the personality of the year, yeah, maybe. But yeah, mine is. I was thinking about it, and it was for, to me because I am just. I it's probably actually Roman Reigns, but I'm so tired of the bloodline. That I'm not going to say Roman Reigns, so I'm going to say John Moxley. Okay. Because Moxley has done everything that's been requested of him. His characters came a long way. He went to rehab, came out, stayed sober, has been working like an absolute beast in the ring. And whether or not you believe the whole CM Punk thing or not, that he missed vacate, whatever it is. Ah. Uh, but him and Punk had great matches. Um, Moxley always goes out. Uh, he's getting to the point where it's getting silly how much he bleeds. He needs to yeah. uh, 
I take some, you know, take some time to let some of that scar tissue heal. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, he's on a fast track to King Curtis IKEA levels of scar tissue. Yeah. So, but I mean, his mic work has gotten a ton better. His character work has gotten a ton better. He's mm -hmm. carried that company on his on his back. Uh, there's they nobody won. else. Like I would, I would have said, Punk, if he wouldn't have got hurt so much. I'm pretty sure that's what happened this time too. He did, I think he he did get hurt, and they, they knew he had to be out, so he's out. And yeah, you can't keep getting hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't keep getting hurt, and you know, it's the same thing. Like, I, yeah, I just I can't think of anybody else. Um. can't think of anybody else that really maybe like on the women's side maybe like a Britt Baker who carried as much weight like she carried that whole division for a long time yeah. and still kind of does and she's got some help now so right but and yeah then, and I, WWE I think, was such a mess this year it was an absolute wreck because you this was a wood chipper for Roman Reigns, and I can't care any less about him or Brock Lesnar, and that's all I saw all year. Like, I just don't care. So, I if Randy if Orton wouldn't have gotten hurt, like this was the first time I've ever enjoyed Randy Orton in his entire career. These last few years, and he's he then got hurt. May not ever wrestle again. So, so my right. choice would be Moxley. Okay, uh, Dwayne chimes in. Uh, male wrestler of the year for him is Roman Reigns. So, I mean, kind of the, probably the popular answer just for what he he uh, had the belt for the whole year, but he only wrestled like ten matches this year. So that's why he's not on yeah. my list. Uh, uh, my male wrestler of the year actually is Dax Harwood from uh, AW. Yeah. Because it's just for for quality of matches, not only doing the stuff with FTR, but look at all the singles matches he had on Dynamite this year. There wasn't a bad match to be found out of that. He's no. a great technical wrestler. He had, I love the match he had with Punk last year uh, during the build up to the Doc Holler match. I think he had. I think it was before the Doc Holler match. And then the match he had with Cash in the uh, tournament was really good. And then the, I think he had a. I forget when the match was. He had a hell of a match with Brian Danielson on TV. And uh, then, like I said, add to that the matches FTR had with the Briscoes and with the Young Bucks and all the guys that they've been working with. So I think as far as just pure match quality, I think Dax is, is my guy for male wrestler of the year. Plus, he has a glorious mustache. And he's got a podcast now. He took Regal's uh, podcast over. Yeah, FTR with Dax Harwood. I forget what the FTR stands for for the podcast, but uh, I'm going to be checking that out. I think it drops on Thursday, so go check that out when you can. Uh, let's move on to Female Wrestler of the Year. Here's our graphic. Uh, let's see what Narge said first. We'll start with uh, and, uh, Female Wrestler of the Year, Tony Storm. Hey, I don't know. I like Tony, but I don't. I don't have her that high in high esteem for her work this year. Uh, 
I guess she was the interim women's champion, but she was still she still managed to be treated like an afterthought. It seems like in AEW. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Tell well, me if I'm wrong. I, they have a bad issue with treating women coming in hot as afterthoughts. Well, they have a bad issue with anybody coming in hot. They, and I kind of get it. You want to get them their their push, so people pop for them and want to see them. And then he puts them on dark. And to Tony Khan's credit, and people don't notice it as much, but like the people who are winning titles now are the people who have been there the longest. Like Danielson, I mean, Danielson may be on TV, but he's not winning major titles. Like you got, you got like Hangman Page in major angles, Jungle Boys in major angles, uh, Sammy Guevara's in major angles. Jericho's and Major Angles, guys who have been there. And the guys who have gotten there after that, like in the women, he's kind of, while they're still winning, he's putting them on dark and he's kind of circulating them in. But now you see your champion is Jamie Hayter. And she's Mm -hmm. definitely been there a while. while And she put her time in. And she's over. Um, I'm a big fan, yeah. Yeah, my female wrestler year is probably because, once again, WWE is usually the Charlotte Flair or the Becky Lynch show. And it's not like Becky didn't have a good year. And she had a great character change. But I would still mm-hmm. probably pick Britt Baker because she was the absolute linchpin of an entire division. So that's who I'd pick. Okay, I'm, I'm a big fan of Britt. She's awesome. Uh, never been a bad storyline. She, just like you said, she carried that division on her back from day one. But I do have my own, and I've got kind of an obvious choice. And I think Dwayne actually agreed with me. Let me check his comments. Yeah, so Dwayne and I have the same one, and that is Bianca Belair. Just for the year she had, she basically been working nonstop the whole year. Didn't no days off. You know, she had a Great match with Becky and Mania when she won the belt. And uh, she's been kind of dealing with the long jam of mediocre opposition and making them look good, which says a lot for somebody as new as she is. But uh, I don't think there's a lot to. I, I still think they dropped the ball on having Becky cut her hair or Bailey. One of those two should have cut the ponytail off in the build up to one of their matches. Or at least part of it. You don't have to do the whole thing. Part of it. Yeah, and I think that's what I thought they were going to do when they had Bianca cut Becky's hair. I thought they were actually going to do it, but they didn't. So, but now Bianca's my. uh, I would have put extensions in it slowly, and then just cut off the extensions. (laughs) So so it actually was longer. But uh, yeah, so Bianca's my my pick. Uh, so we're gonna move on to the next one, newcomer of the year, and this one I <laughs> uh, Narge chimes in, and even though he technically started in December, he's his pick is Hook from AEW. Uh, Taz's boy, you know, uh, and I'm 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 big on Hook. He's awesome for being as young as he is and as new to the business as he is, but. Uh, Dwayne, I want to see if Dwayne had a comment here because he's commenting all over the place right now. Uh, I see nothing for newcomer of the year for from uh, Dwayne, so he'll probably pop in here before too long. Uh, Gary, who's your 
uh, newcomer of the year? I was having a hard time with this one because it's just, it doesn't seem like Because all the AEW guys are, they've been there for a while. I can't think of anybody super new like Hooks, but I, I guess. Um, in WWE, they don't put over young talent. <laughs> so <laughs> you never see them. Um, newcomer. I, I don't know be honest like maybe like uh if you're considering uh who's the guy from top flight oh uh dante martin yeah he was he had like when his brother was out he really came a long way so i i guess i would go with him because okay because when you really think about all like the guys in nxt super duper green and they're just not I, I don't know. So, okay. I can't uh, think of anybody new that they've actually put in a spot. Can you in WWE this year? I've got, uh, I've got a couple. Now, uh, one of them that I had thought of was uh, Roxanne Perez in NXT. Yeah, okay. I just didn't I mean, consider her because she had been around. Yeah. yeah, but she was new to the company, though. Yeah, uh, but the one I but the one I went with in uh, Dwayne says newcomer Austin Theory. He's not really a newcomer. He was around the last couple of years. But uh, I I do like Austin Theory though. So uh, thank you, Dwayne. Uh, but the one I'm going with, and I know how much you love the Bloodline, Gary. I'm going Solo Sokoa on this one. Just he's really got a handle on his character. For, and I said he's young, but you know he's got that. Uh, no pun, well, pun in, no pun intended. He's got that bloodline behind him. To, so he's grown up in the business. So, and he just has that Samoan ass kicker, just down to a, to a science right now. And he's and he's doing Umaga's uh, thumb now. Yeah, so that's cool. Oh, I can't think of his name. Why can't I think of his name? I like him a lot. He's the Australian, the cocky Australian guy in NXT. Oh, uh, Waller, Grayson Waller. Oh, I would yeah, I'll pick him. Yeah, he's got hey, a he lot did of Bret Goldberg move last last week. What was that? He goaded uh, Braun Breaker to come to the ring and spear him, but he had the metal plate under his shirt. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't oh, watched that. I keep forgetting to watch it, but I'll have to watch yeah. it now just to see that. Yeah, uh, my brother chimed in. He says Logan Paul for newcomer of the year, and hey, well, he had a hell of a run for only having three matches. Like, all three matches were great. Until he destroys me. <laughs> right. He'll be back. He'll be Justice, he'll be back. <laughs> Watch he'll be the Usos against the Paul brothers at WrestleMania. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. And uh yeah, so there we got our new company. We're moving along very smoothly here, Gary. Uh so we're gonna move on to referee of the year. Uh and Narj chimes in and he and I have the same one. A friend of the show, uh vocal legend chad patton is our choice for referee of the year for the wwe uh yeah i'll go with, i'll go with chad let's see uh, i don't see blaine's referee uh i say the same thing i i picked chad last year too 
the best thing you can say about a referee is that you don't notice the referee in a, in a match, yeah. which is why Aubrey Edwards did not get the nod for referee of the year this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Chad, he's he's awesome. He's low key. He gets in there when he has to, but he usually just he stays out of the way and lets the lets the guys tell the story, you know. And uh, he's done it for years. He, as long as he's been there, he's been one of the uh, one of the best referees in the company. So that's why he got my vote, and I'm inclined to think Narge would agree with me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've seen uh, there's a couple pretty good referees in Zero One since I've been going and checking them out. Uh, but that's something for another a different podcast of a different name. Uh, let's see. So we're gonna move on. Oh, hang on. See, and Dwayne picked Aubrey Edwards. Come on, Dwayne. <laughs> Is it because she's a lady? She's a lady. Uh, <laughs> I could do the Cabathier bit at the end of my cup's empty. That'd be my, my sign-off. Uh, so let's move on, Gary. Uh, we're already 105 for our time right now. So if we want to get under two hours, we gotta we gotta get cooking. Uh Play by play announcer of the year and start with Narge. Uh, Narge has Michael Cole for play by play of the year, and I agree with him. Uh, I've never been I've never been a fan of Michael Cole for pretty much as long as he's been in the WWE. But it seems like the the shackles are off with Cole now. Yeah, post Vince, he's much better. Yeah, post Vince, he's much better. Uh, probably Cole. I mean, Excalibur isn't too bad, really. Uh, he's yeah, maybe a little, little verbose. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he talks a little too much. Regal was off putting. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> it's just like, and Dwayne also says Michael Cole. So thank you, Dwayne. But yeah, yeah, I like Excalibur. Uh, He's one of those guys. He kind of he kind of walks. Like he was the, a color guy at first when they had Jr. doing Dynamite, but he's kind of transitioned to the play-by-play spot. He's, he's kind of he feels kind of like Mike Tenay to me. Yeah, it's like that guy who he knows all the names for all the moves. He kind of keeps things very in the pocket. Because Taz and all those guys get, then he lets them pepper all their stuff in there. Uh, yeah, he's definitely. You can tell he watched ECW, <laughs> Joey Styles. But uh, but no, nah, he's he's good. But I still I got to give him out to Michael Cole and also Tom Hannafin and Impact, uh, the former Tom Phillips from NXT. He's from what I've seen of Impact. He's done a hell of a job over there since they brought him in. Yeah. I don't, yeah, they're announced teams. I, I like yeah, him. And, uh, Revolt, uh, the former Aiden English, is his color guy. Yeah, actually, he's really good, too. Yeah. Uh, Hannafin, way better than Josh Matthews. I was not a fan of Josh Matthews. Especially when he tried to do the Michael Cole heel turn a few years ago and get himself over. It just seemed weird. You just wanted to slap him. Dwayne says, whatever happened to Mike today? Uh, well, first off, you misspelled today, but that's that's all right. Uh, he, I think he's just retired. I think he's just living in Vegas, doing uh, just doing his own thing now. 
think he was. Uh, yeah, he wasn't a young dude when he was doing Nitro. So. No, I think he's he's like a expert on sports gambling in Vegas. Like he does like uh, like blogs and interviews and radio shows and things like that. So he's probably doing pretty well for himself. Uh, so where there is a play-by-play of the year in the area, we have to go color announcer of the year. And this one, uh, Narge actually said uh, Excalibur. He said he would have gone with McAfee, but he was gone for half the year because of football. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'd still probably say McAfee just because he was. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I thought he brought a lot of excitement and energy, and genuine fandom, and then he cut a promo, and then he could he can wrestle, he can, and he was consistent. Like he wasn't. Like he he yeah, he may have been gone, but I don't know who else to pick. Like I mean Taz is always there, but yeah. color wise uh, Wayne picked Taz, by the way, just so you know. Yeah. And I like Taz. Uh, I'm going with Corey Graves on this one for one simple reason. He had to deal with switching uh partners like three times this year. Because it started with Jimmy Smith and then I think they had uh, what's the kid's name Adnan Burke at one point. Then now he's got uh, Kevin Patrick, and he does a really good job of keeping the show moving. <laughs> because all the guys they put him with are like are new to it. like Jimmy Smith has done commentary, but he did MMA, he did boxing, so he didn't know the rhythm of doing pro wrestling. So they leaned on Corey to kind of kind of steer the ship, even though he's not calling it. Uh, the playback way he's just adding the analysis but he does a really good job i've always liked his work even when he was in nxt and he can, he can get a little bit goofy now too since there's no vince in his ear didn't he name himself after major originally sterling james keenan was his name but uh yeah so issues complaints comments on that one there gerald no <laughs> he's not the best Color guy in the business for nothing, folks. No, no, that's fine. I don't need that. <laughs> Anytime I can get a good Bobby Uger quote in, it's it's great. All right, so well, that's said the better, I guess, for Gary on color announcement of the year. Let's move on. I, I already, to... I already said, I said mine. Oh yeah, yeah, you said. Uh, yeah, I, so. uh, yeah. No, like Corey Graves is, he's always solid. So. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was going to come back to work at some point. Everybody was saying he was, but he never did. So I don't yeah, know how think, that. I think he's cleared, but he's too valuable on commentary to to move him. I think. So, all right. So let's move on to weekly show of the year. Uh, no big surprise. Narch said dynamite. <laughs> I, I I disagree with that myself. Uh, let's see. Dwayne's call on this one. Weekly give me a weekly show of the year uh Dwayne if you're listening to this uh what is your uh, your your pick Gary oh man like <laughs> it like before Vince came in and ruined it it was NXT 
I really enjoyed watching NXT. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I, I don't. And Raw's gotten a lot better. SmackDown's gotten a lot better. So uh, probably Raw, I guess. Okay. Uh, Dwayne agrees with you. By the way, he put Raw. See, I say SmackDown. It's. I think it's been the most consistently best show every week this year. And, uh, and it's not just because they got the bloodline. It's They've got a really solid roster. I think they got a stronger roster on SmackDown than they got on Raw, as far as like star power goes, because they got Roman, they got Bray, they got uh, Drew, uh, you know, Brock when he comes in. So and they're, they're making the most out of that. And even with Ronda Rousey as their women's champion, they're putting on great shows. So... So I've, I got to go Team Blue on this one, and uh, yeah, I remember last year. I think I was the only one that said SmackDown, and everybody else said Dynamite. With uh, when Keith and Arge joined me, and they thought I was nuts, but I'm standing by it. I, I think uh, it's got to be SmackDown, and I would have put Impact on there too, but I don't get access TV, so I haven't seen every episode. I, I watch it, and the Bully Ray stuff is pretty good. And every once in a oh, while, please. I'll have like this. They'll have this pocket of uh, of really good, but then they have like just some really dumb, boring stuff. Like, but yeah, I, I like they, they're pushing. The yeah, I mean, it's just it's close. If they had if they had a few million more dollars to throw around for talent and or just production, or the ability to go anywhere besides the impact zone, like it would be, I, I think they could, I think their ratings would go up. I don't, they're mm -hmm. never, I don't know if they'll ever be where they were when they were TNA. Not while they're but, on Access TV. They got to get a no. better network. Yeah. They got to get companies where know. everybody gets it. I don't know where that would be. At this point, because TNT and TBS are taken over by AEW, and USA is in Fox. You know, I I don't know. I, I can't imagine FX maybe, but you know that falls under Fox. But yeah, if they could yeah. find a, a good cable outlet to do that is more accessible, I think they would be in way better shape. Because talent-wise, they've got one of the stronger rosters in on TV right now. It's just nobody's getting to see it. Yeah. And uh, I almost had Josh Alexander as my male wrestler of the year, but Dax edged him out a little bit. Alexander's yeah. really good. He's very good. Uh, he's, he's good at wrestling. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Faction of the year. Uh, let's start with Narge. And he says, let's see, where is it at? Looks like he's got the bloodline for faction of the year. Yeah, he's got the bloodline. So, I mean, kind of goes without saying for a lot of people. I think Dwayne said the same thing. So, uh, so we got that out of the way. So what is what's your what's your call, Gary? Uh, it's probably got to be 
the bloodline i liked the inner circle slash jericho appreciation society stuff better because it's at least it's funny mm -hmm. and like i like like just the the humor of it uh -huh. but but just pure like unadulterated like every week in your face it's got to be the bloodline they're on every single show nine times so okay so just to be different i'm gonna go with somebody different and bloodline's a hell of an argument i mean anybody with any sense in their head would pick them but I've, it's been said i don't have that much sense in my head uh, i'm going bullet club on this one because not only are they in new japan and they're they got the world champion they got i think they had uh, chase and Bale had their tag titles a few times uh carl anderson's still the number one point champion with bullet club even though he's with wwe now but on top of that they they've been all over the place they've got uh people in impact they got people in aew uh, NWA, uh, Ring of Honor. So they've got, they've got guys uh, all over the place representing Bullet Club in the U.S. along with what they're doing in New Japan. And then you look at what Jay White did uh, defending the world title in the Forbidden Door pay-per-view in Chicago and then going to Impact and uh, feuding with everybody, uh, putting together that uh, group with uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay for their, their version of Bullet Club. So I think they've... Yeah. Uh, They've done a lot. And like I said, I mean, the bloodline is the obvious choice, but the Bullet Club has really made uh, a lot of waves this year. So that's why they get uh, my pick. Plus, they have a cool T-shirt. <laughs> All right. Let's move on, Gary. And we're, we're doing good here. Let's go. Next choice, Feud of the Year. This one, there were a couple of choices. What did Narge... Narge says, wait, Narge is really high on the bloodline. Is it bloodline versus WWE, which I'm guessing means is like the war games and all the people that feud, like RK Bro Owens, all that stuff. Which, you know, I get. It's, uh, yeah. it's uh, mine would be Punk MJF. Okay. Just because the, the payoffs for that, like those, the, the lead up to that those last few matches was really good and it really and mostly because Mike Punk did his job he elevated Max mm -hmm. like Max was already good but Punk came in and like was like okay like I'm, I'm gonna it wasn't getting him over it was just it was elevating him like it was mm -hmm. and it worked I mean it was, it's a shame that Punk got hurt because I'm sure he was the next thing he was going to do was, you know, drop the title to Max. And that would have meant more. Uh, but, you know, got hurt. That's what happens. But uh, but that whole feud, and it was a it was a slower played feud and it kind of went and then it went away and then came back. So, yeah, I'd, I'd pick that one. Okay, I can get behind that. That was a good feud. Uh, the one I went with, uh, and they only had three matches spaced out over the whole year, but I'm, I went FTR and the Briscoes. Uh, starting in April when uh, FTR beat 
Briscoes for the Ring of Honor titles, and they had that dog collar match, the final battle. But then in the middle of it, they had a two out of three falls match at, uh, I think it was Death Before Dishonor, the pay-per-view. And all three of them were great. All I think each match went like 40 minutes. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know me, I'm a big fan of tag team wrestling, Gary, and those are probably my two favorite tag teams in, in the business right now. Yeah. Uh, I've always been a Briscoes fan. Uh, I love the revival when they were in NXT and now the stuff they're doing in uh, AEW. And the thing I like about what they're doing in AEW is Tony's letting uh, the guys work singles on top of doing the tag stuff. Because it's like the old saying is like, you can't have a great tag team without two great singles wrestlers, and they're getting to show that on uh, AEW. But uh, but yeah, I'd, uh, I'd pick that. I wish they would have gotten some time on Dynamite for uh, for the Briscoes to get to come in. But, you know, circumstances are what they are, so I'm not going to complain too much about that. But, uh, but yeah, so that's my pick is uh, FTR and the Briscoes. Uh, Dwayne chimes in, feud, Moxley versus Page. That's kind of a new one, Dwayne. That just started like a month ago. So, uh, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm all for it because I like both those guys. And I'm, I want to see what uh, what happens there, but I, I, that might be a little early to uh, to go with them for a few of the year. But uh, to each their own, as the old saying goes. Uh, tag team of the year. It's kind of going hand in hand with what I was just saying. Uh, let me see what Nards put here for tag team. Uh, he's got FTR, and I agree. Uh, as good yeah, as the use of the was, it's got to be FTR. Yeah. No, was, I no. Usos aren't even in the top five. The, the way they're working now. Well, I mean, it's just they're not. They're not. Their work's not as sharp as it used to be. When they were sharp, yeah, they're top three, but they're just mm -hmm. not like they're. I and I know why they've been working like almost nonstop for two years. Give them some mm -hmm. time off. Let them heal up. And, but yeah, it's FTR. Yeah, and. They they got the belts to prove it. They have the storylines. They've bounced around. They can cut promos. They got an over on their own. They don't need a faction behind them. Great music. Great gimmicks. Oh, awesome music. And, I love the music. Yeah. So, yeah, and, FTR. Uh, and I liked them with Tully originally, but they've proven that they don't need a mouthpiece to, to get over. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Dwayne did pick the Usos for Tag Team of the Year, so... Yes, maybe another thank you, Dwayne. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, there was not a day in 2022 that the uh, FTR guys did not have at least one title belt around their waist. Uh, I think they're going on two years with that AAA tag titles. <laughs> and then uh, they held the Ring of Honor titles from April till like two, three weeks ago. Uh, one of the IWGP titles in August. So yeah, they're and they're going to Wrestle Kingdom in uh, January to defend those titles. So it's going to be cool to see. But uh, but yeah, so FTR, it's uh, it's kind of a for a lot of people, it's a one and one A between them and the Usos. I think it's a, a one and one A between FTR and the Briscoes, and then the Usos number three. But that's just that's just my take on it. But I think we'll move on to we're getting into the uh, the final four, Gary, for our subject. So we're doing really good. We're at an hour and a half, so we're already kicking last year's time in the ass. Uh, 
so we're going to go heel of the year. I love this category. Uh, let's start with Narge. Uh, heel of the year, Roman Reigns. But my problem with that is people are cheering Roman Reigns. He's getting over doing the whole we the ones business and acknowledging all that stuff. I mean, yeah. when he wants to, he will be a hell of a heel. But it's, uh, yeah, he's getting cheered a little too much for my taste. Uh, yeah, like Roman was a heel, and he, I guess he technically still is, but yeah, they're. People have just started doing, you know, buying into the gimmick. So, um, I'm, um, it's, it's a, uh, it's a toss up between a sentimental favorite of mine and probably the actual heel of the year, but it would be like a real toss up with me between Christian Cage and MJF because Christian's heel work was just out of this world example like he got oh, yeah. so much heat and he just delivered it perfectly he did his job perfectly he baited people he switched he never apologized for anything it wasn't like cheap he just was going after like the jugular all the time and mjf's just your classic like roddy piper heel which is yeah. so difficult to see now and he's always that so it's mm -hmm. but yeah like that that would be my 1a 1b i guess for that okay i am i'm gonna go christian uh he's doing the best work of the last 10 years since he was in tna uh it's like you said don't take any shots at jungle boy's dad and his, his family in general uh, I was scratching my head when they first did the thing where Luchasaurus like turned heel, then turned back. But then it made perfect sense when uh, he wanted a double cross in Jungle Boy at the uh, All Out, I think it was. And he got choked yeah. on the on the grating. But uh, yeah, then he's what Christian is doing is showing all these young guys in AEW. Hey, here's how you do it. Uh, MJF's got a good handle on it. And uh, by the way, Dwayne picked MJF for heel of the year. Uh, as far as like good old school heel work, that he's about it. It's Christian and to an extent Jericho, but Jericho's another one of those guys that's getting over too much. People are still singing his song and cheering along with him. But yeah, yeah I'm with you. But for mine, it was a cross up between Christian, MJF, and Matt Cardona this year. Because Cardona was my pick last year when he was. Yeah, I mean, you did. But, yeah, he uh, did a but, lot. Yeah, and he did it across multiple promotions. He was doing Impact and GCW and the NWA and all this. Uh, but yeah, in, in the end, I got to go Christian on this one. Just because I love heat. You know, he doesn't, and it's not the cheap heat like he used to get with the, the five second pose in WWF, you know? Yeah. Which was still entertaining, but this is a very different it, kind of heel that we're looking well, at. Well, with, with that, like, man, if they could have. If I know there was injuries, but it's so dumb. If they would have let the Judgment Day angle play out the way it should have played out, I might have picked Edge. Yeah. His heel work was really good at the time. Like it was convincing. He didn't mm -hmm. waver. But yeah, I'd probably pick Christian with a close second being MJF. 
I'd agree with that. So where there is a good heel, Gerald, we have to have a good baby face. So let's go baby face of the year here. And Dwayne, I don't think you have put your baby face of the year yet. So go ahead and throw that up there for me. And uh, starting off as usual with Narge. Uh, let's see. He says John Moxley. Okay. A solid choice. Uh, basically, he's been the top baby face in AEW since the start of AEW. So makes a lot of sense. He was their champion for a while. And, uh, and I like Moxley. I I don't know where they're going now that there's no Blackpool Combat Club. Is he going to go back to being a loner? Kind of hope he does. Well, he's Maybe still doing stuff with it. He's still doing tag matches and stuff with them. I, the Regal's just gone. They're still, right. I think they're still a unit. Yeah. So now there's the Combat Club because there's no Blackpool yeah. in the Blackpool Combat Club now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Man, Regal. <laughs> so, so Narda goes Moxley. What's your uh, what's your pick, Gary? I mean, it's hard to pick a face in WWE because they. They've just all been run through a grinder. Like, none of them have had, like, a super long run. Like, you have Drew McIntyre, but, like, he's he's just kind of been made a generic face. He spent most of the year feuding with or wrestling with Sheamus. Not really done much. Um, I don't know. Like, Brian kind of came in as a heel. He kind of went back I'm and gonna, forth a lot. So, so I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick one, and it, it'll be my hot take. And it's okay. gonna be CM Punk, not for the work he did, but for the simple fact that he may have actually punched Kenny Omega in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Vasilio, Jim Cornette's favorite podcaster. You heard it here. <laughs> if if he and Ace Steel actually. Which I don't think they did. To this day, you can't convince me because I think it's all work. But if he and Ace Steel bit and or fought off like the, the elite, then he will be my face of the year every year because those guys annoy the crap out of me. Oh, I'm not saying they're, they're not saying they're bad at their jobs. I just they're they're bad at the kind of wrestling that I actually enjoy. Yes. Like when I, when I first started watching Omega, it was kind of yeah. like the first time I saw Lucha. It was a lot of fun, but then like when you watch enough Lucha, you're like, okay, like eventually you're gonna have to stop spinning around, right? <laughs> and you and you come back to it, and you're like, oh, okay, this is fun again. Like, but Omega's been so like shoved down like omega and the bucks have been shoved down everybody's throats for like the last three years they're on every time they're on every show they've had all of the titles not saying kenny wasn't a good champion i thought he was actually a good champion but i just every match ends up being the same match lots mm -hmm. of knee strikes so if punk just said hey this is dumb and he punched him in the mouth just for the simple fact that he may have <laughs> I'm going with Punk for my baby face. <laughs> okay. All right. So Dwayne chimed in, Gary. He said Jungle Boy, uh, Jack Perry for baby face of the year. And it's I almost went choice. with Jungle Boy. 
I almost went with Jungle Boy because he has been a gung ho baby face, and you know the the fans just love him. They love to sing his song, you know. Plus, yeah, I love the fact he uses that song for his music because I hadn't heard that song in like twenty five years before he started yeah. using it. Yeah. Uh, Tarzan Boy by Baltimore, if you remember that one. I'm getting confused looks from my brother. Which, I'll play it for you after this. All right. Uh, now I went a different way because you were talking about how there's no baby faces in WWE. You were uh, leaving out a, a niche part of the WWE product, my friend. And uh, my choice for babyface of the year is actually Roxanne Perez in NXT. Yeah. Uh, number one, she's over. Uh, she has been getting a heck of a run. Uh, she just, uh, we all know what happened with Mandy Rose. Uh, Roxanne won the NXT women's title a couple weeks ago. She won the tag titles, won the Dusty Cup. Or not the Dusty Cup, the... Uh, whatever the top prospect race to the top turn, whatever it was called to get her a title shot. And, uh, she's just super popular with the fans. Uh, she had a pretty good year. She was, she started the year as the ring of honor women's champion. She defended the title in impact. Then I think she may have worked a dark for AW. So she worked for everybody this year before she got signed by, uh, uh WWE. And she's only, 21, 22 years old. She's just a kid. She started training when she was 14 and uh, training with Booker T. So, but yeah, she's, they've done a really good job telling her story and getting her over and she's putting the work in. So she's, uh, she's my pick for baby face of the year. Not a bad choice. Thank you. All right. Uh, Okay. So we got everybody chimed in there. Two left, Gary. We're we're doing good. I'm I'm proud of us for getting probably going to get this in under two hours. Oh so, wow! Uh, look at that. I know, right? All right. So moving on from Babyface of the Year now, just in general, Wrestler of the Year, just across the board, who was the best wrestler this year for you? Uh, well, first off, let's get an artist take. While I'm thinking about it, uh, he says Roman Reigns for Wrestler of the Year. He's a uh, Kind of on the nose a little bit <laughs> this year. Uh, takes a lot of bloodline, a lot of AEW, which is uh, expected uh, of a buddy Narge, but that's all right. The, the to me, well, I mean, like once again, he's that can't he's not wrong because, but Roman is more of a moves or doom guy than Cena. Like that dude just does. He punches and he punches some more and then he spears. That's about it. Yeah, he'll do that Samoan drop. Every Samoan is legally required to do a Samoan drop in their matches. Yeah, I I understand that. Like, I just talked about flippy do guys annoying me, but guys who do absolutely nothing every match also annoy me. Like, there's a a balance you have to strike. And so I'm. Man, like. I'm. It would like actual worker wrestler. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? Just overall the uh, in ring uh, promo, general performance, that kind of thing. I think honestly, it is a pretty even heat with Jericho and Danielson. Okay. For me, because Jericho lost all that weight, has had some banger matches. Uh, mm-hmm. Still is great on the mic. Just a few weeks ago, he put over a brand new guy clean in the ring because yeah. he saw something in him. 
Brian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tapped out to Cesaro with, in the giant swing. Yeah, that's putting happened. people over on his way out, but you could still put the title on him at any point, and he would be mm-hmm. uh, a very credible champion. Yeah, uh, he just he just elevated the Ring of Honor title mm-hmm. by holding it by doing what he did, um, yeah. and and Brian is like he's putting on some of the best matches he's ever wrestled. This period, yeah. like I've watched it for a long time, and the dude is just locked in. And his promos are better. His character work is better. He's doing less, but he's doing more at the same time with it. He's not mm-hmm. trying to curry favor. He's just being him. And the Blackpool Combat stuff was really good with that. Um, yeah. So I think they're they're really neck and neck, like. Brian's a guy that you could have put the title on when he first came in and nobody would have batted an eye. Uh, you could still, you could still, like, he could upset MJF right now and everybody would be upset for just a second because we're like, oh, MJF just got the belt. But, you, you know, I mean, people would get it. But I don't think they're going to do that. But, I, yeah, I think wrestlers of the year is probably, to me, that's a tie between those two. Okay. I went a little broader this year. Uh, my choice for wrestler of the year, it kind of encompasses the in-ring, the character work, the promos, the all this. And I went with Sami Zayn for wrestler of the year. Uh, number one, you never see him have a bad match. Ever since yeah. his El Generico days. Uh, he's doing the best character work he's done since he was El Generico. Uh, with the bloodline and everything. Uh the match with uh, Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania is probably the funnest match I saw the whole year. And I'm not a big fan of Jackass, but it, it made me pop quite a few times. So uh, so that goes there. The, uh, the promo work, where'd you go, Gary? There you go. Uh, <laughs> you buffered on me. Like Michael and or Bruce. Uh, but no, he's uh, and he's on the cusp of huge things next year. Because he's going to be feuding with the bloodline. It's pretty much a given fact. And there's some people saying that he should be uh, the guy to take one of those belts off of Roman at some point. Which I don't know about that. But they've the bloodline has gotten Sammy over to the moon. Sammy's gotten the bloodline over at the same time. Which is really hard to do to to make that happen. And I expect big things out of, uh, out of Sammy next year. And let's see. Oh, okay. What's, I found it. What's, oh, I, what's that, Gary? I, I, I guess I'm just thinking of like honorable mentions probably to me would, would go to like uh, Kevin Owens. And just for the width and breadth of his year, he went from being a heel calling out Stone Cold Steve Austin, feuding with Seth Rollins, having Stone Cold's probably last match, maybe last match, but having a really good match with him, keeping keeping him safe, and then having, like, doing his 100% best to get over that stupid Elias brother Ezekiel thing, 
he was the best part of that because he was yeah. so earnest about it. Oh yeah. And his his work recently was just like his intensity and his promo work and his in ring work with the bloodline. Uh, he's well way over. Like if it wasn't for his mid year where they just tried to bury him again, I would probably have picked him. But he's coming on strong at the end of the year. Yeah. You know, about a week ago, I was watching some uh, Ring of Honor from 2015, 2014, 2015. It was KO's like tail end of his run there. So I saw a couple of his matches, uh, Silas Young and Nakamura. And I'm seeing a lot of similarities between that Kevin Owens, well, Kevin Steen, with KO now the, as a uh, going into this last SmackDown where he's going to be teamed up with Cena against uh, Roman and Sammy. And then I think he's got a title shot at uh, the Rumble, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, he's uh, he would have been a strong choice. But, yeah, it's like you said, that middle of the year, he was kind of in limbo working with uh, Ezekiel and being paired up with the Alpha Academy and all that stuff. So, But uh, there's one thing you, know, you can't say about Kevin Owens. Is he doesn't try to get everything he does over. <laughs> No, he doesn't care. No, if, if it gets over or not, he's yeah. just gonna do it. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you heard. They finally announced who was supposed, who was, who they were supposed to reveal to be the guy that threw the pie in his face. Did that food fight on uh, Fourth of July a few years ago? It was supposed to be Vince. Nobody. <laughs> oh, that's good shit, pal. Good. Good. <laughs> But uh, Vince is uh, trying to get a different kind of pie in the face these days. So, Yeah, he's trying to bring down the entire WWE by coming back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Gary, we got one more if you got the time. Okay. It's the big one. Match of the year. So first off, we'll get Narja's take here. He's got the, uh, well, it's in from last Dece last December. Wait, maybe it's, he needs to be more specific with this. He says FTR Briscoe's at ROH in December. That could be this one from two weeks ago. I'm going to assume it was that one. I'm, I'm going to assume he's talking about the double dog collar match, which I don't know if you saw. I only saw like a fan cam YouTube video of it because I didn't, uh, I wasn't home to buy the pay-per-view. But when I saw it, it was just fantastic. Uh, good old school dog collar. You know, got got the color and get the. There's actually psychology in the dog collar match, which is unheard of. And uh, yeah, and I guess you could say the right team won. The Briscoes got the belts back, and FTR can, I guess, focus more on AEW stuff. But it went almost 45 minutes, I want to say. Yeah. And and it's. I think. The FTR and the Briscoes could be this generation's Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express. I mean, different character, obviously, but as far as like a yeah. good tag team rivalry goes, I think mean, that could that could be it. So, Gary, that is Narja's choice. Uh, let me see if uh, Dwayne has added his choice for match of the year. Uh, what's your What's your pick while I'm while I'm looking? Um, I'm, man, they're. There's one I just saw and makes me 
wish that IO Sky was still in, or EO Sky was still in Japan. But it was Kari Sane, Sane versus uh, Mayu Itonami. Uh, is that the one for the, uh, the title? Yeah, it was insanely good. It was just really super hard hitting. They sold, like, at the end of the match, they could barely, like, get up. and They weren't just, like, bouncing around and just chopping up. Um, I really enjoyed, like, the Austin comeback, just because it was Austin, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't, like, the best match ever, but, like, I'm probably going to say... Because of the entrances and the buildup, and the match itself was actually pretty good. Uh, Punk versus MJF, dog collar. I, I really like the Punk brought back the ROH entrance with the AFI yeah, and the, the Punk. I, I'm and don't get me wrong. I, I think I don't. I'm not the world's biggest Punk. He's the greatest wrestler in the world fan. I, I think he's been, always been super solid, but that match was well put together, well thought out, well yeah. timed. Um, the blood wasn't excessive. The the violence wasn't like they used the violence in a strategic way. Uh, the end with Wardlow in the ring and helped you know move his storyline along. It finished their storyline out. So yeah, I thought that was. A, yeah, they didn't bleed a whole lot, but Punk had the white gear on, so that made it look like it was more. So, yeah. you know, that's the rule. If a guy wears white trunks to the ring for some sort of an extreme match like that, he's going to bleed a lot. Yeah. Or it's going to look like it. All right. Dwayne uh, put his take in for match of the year. Uh, he says Sheamus versus Gunther from SmackDown for the IC title, which was a really good match. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not my pick, but, I mean, it's hard to argue with that one. Uh, but you know me, I love a good, it's like the seizure says, I love a good hot fight, and those guys beat the crap out of each other for about 25, 30 minutes. And then it led to that six-man in Wales with the uh, Imperium and the Brawling Brutes, which I hate the name of that group, but I love the group, where it was just same deal. It was like a half hour or just beating the piss out of each other. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I like that call, Dwayne. That's a good call. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to my, my brother here. John, what is your match of the year? Uh, the one match I went out of my way to watch was at SummerSlam, Reigns and Lesnar. Ah, uh, yes. That was so much fun. <laughs> um, it's a Central Illinois podcast, so who among us hasn't done irresponsible things with tractors before? It was, and then that was like Triple H's first um, pay-per-view, right? Yeah. So it was kind of... The changing of the guard and mm-hmm. got everybody fired up. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah. That was my favorite. And I like Lesnar, and I know a lot of people don't. I also liked when Theory tried to cash in, but he yeah. just got beat up. Right. <laughs> <sighs> that's, a, that's a good call. I love that. Plus, it's like you said, I mean, who doesn't want to do crazy things with the tractor? Yes. And I was watching, we were watching over Marco's house, and when they when he lifted the ring up. <laughs> oh, that was the best part. Yep. <laughs> and the referee sold that like a champ, too. Yeah. Bounced. All right, so I'm going a little bit different uh, for my match of the year. I'm going back to Impact. Uh, it was on, actually, it was just uh, a couple weeks ago. 
uh, Josh Alexander against Speedball Mike Bailey for the Impact World Championship. Uh, they went about 58 minutes on TV, which doesn't happen very often. And it wasn't uh, 58 minutes that drags on and makes you wonder how long the match has been going on for. It it, it flowed. It was really good on that match. And uh, I started watching Speedball when he was with GCW. He still goes there every now and then. But then he went from there to Impact and won the X Division title. Uh, I, I forget who beat him for that. But then, like you said, uh, Alexander's doing this thing with Bully right now. But just the idea that he's in the middle of this big feud, which is going to, uh, the match is happening in the middle of January. But they still brought a completely different guy out to go an hour with him on TV. That's almost NWA booking. Like, 80s flair booking, you know, with the, if he was working Dusty, but then he'd go do 45 minutes with George South on TV. Yeah. And and I'm not putting Speedball in the George South category because he's hardly enhancement. He's he's a star. He's going to be something. But yeah, that's, uh, I love those old, those good, long, uh, just, it's almost, you call it a clinic, you know, it was, just, it was really good. Uh, that one is on YouTube. I'll put that up on the Facebook page. I'll try. I'll try to get the. Uh, I need to find that EO Sky or a, a Kyrie Sane match that you're talking about. It's on New Japan World. I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I, I saw it on. Yeah, I know you don't have access, but that's where I saw it on. I had it on. Oh yeah, because they got the New Japan show after it. If if you've never seen EO Sky versus Kari Sane back in the day, it's on YouTube. It's when EO still did the rolling Germans, and that that match is absolutely insane. Uh, they just never used Kari anywhere near where she needed to be used when she came into WWE. And I know she was looks small, but like, and I know she got hurt, but like, you have people like Charlotte Flair just throwing around like a rag doll and not protecting her. Like in Japan, she's you know wrestling people more her size, but you know, you they just needed to figure out how to use her, right? Like, I'm afraid mm-hmm. they're going to do the same thing with EO. And I, I, I'm hoping, like, Asuka goes back to the Kana gimmick or something. But I think, yeah, Jeff. Get ready to change. Uh, yeah. I think with Triple H with the book, I think EO's in better shape than if Vince was running things. Oh, yeah. But I think that's what ruined Kyrie and Wayne Roster. Every, every woman on the roster is in better shape. And every woman in the front office, apparently. <laughs> or any woman that walks by. Any... any woman who's not blood relation to Vince McMahon? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh you don't talk about that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes our list, Gary. We, uh, we're doing good. We're just uh, we're running smooth as, uh, as silk here. But before we say goodbye, we do have to pay some bills, Gary. So uh find my dandy ProWrestlingTees.com slash JTR pod. Uh these are the new uh shirts we've got up. Uh I got a couple more pending that haven't been approved yet. I got the logo shirt. We got wrestling makes me happy. Uh what they call the blood money shirt, red equals green. It's uh that, that's just old school philosophy and then the uh, my favorite the hoss fight straw money shirt uh, all those are on there plus all the other ones that we've put up over the last uh, several months uh, 
go take a look if you like something uh it helps us out helps us keep the microphones on and uh yeah so uh i think this is a, a good time gary to uh to depart uh thanks for joining us uh, thanks everybody to chime in with the comments uh this will drop on the podcast on thursday and uh, it'll stay on youtube forever if you want to watch it again sometime so uh gary uh i think this was a good one we had to call a couple audibles but uh, i think this is a good time to take that caption down uh uh let's see boom there we go all right well say goodbye gary goodbye gary all right <laughs> i had a feeling we were gonna do that. <laughs> so for gary for john for everybody out there this is uh, his is Redmond, so we'll see you guys in a couple weeks see you later <laughs>